Hey, this is Steve Thomas. Thank you so much for joining us on Budge this month. Have you ever wondered why your leadership or your parenting or your marriage just simply doesn't change no matter how many tips and techniques you try to apply? Well, that's because there are three major things sitting below the surface that until those things change or at least are paid attention to, nothing else is going to change. That's what we're going to talk about this month on Budge. I hope you enjoy. Why is it so tough to lead people? Why is it so tough to lead people? Now, this is, this is, I've, been, I've asked this question for a long time, but I have asked this more in the last three or four months, than I think ever before. It, it really is a pounding question to me. Why is it so tough to lead people? And I've got my own theories. I've got my own ideas about this. Uh, and, and I'm going to save some of those for later on down the road. We may do actually uh, a whole uh, a whole budge session on why it's so tough to lead people. But here's one of the main reasons I think it is so tough to lead people is because we pay too much attention to the above the surface issues and not enough attention to the below surface issues. So um, when we start paying attention to the above the surface issues over the below the surface issues, I just personally don't believe we're going to grow very much at all. And if we do grow at all, if we do lead people effectively at all, uh, it's, it's going to take longer and it's going, to be, it's going to be harder. And I think once we start diving deep to learn what is below the surface that's driving everything above the surface, then that's when things are going to really start to move. So here we go. So this is the iceberg model. Some of you are familiar with this. Most of you probably are. Uh, I did some Google imaging and um, was gonna post an image of an iceberg on the screen behind me, but then, then I, I realized that you can't really see it unless it's got a black background and I couldn't find one that was appropriate. So I made my own. Anyway, it's not a pretty iceberg, but it's an iceberg. So you understand the concept. If you have ever seen a picture of an iceberg, you know that below the surface, it is not just deep, but it is really, really wide and the bulk 90% plus is below the surface that makes that iceberg literally unmovable. This is why a ship like the Titanic can hit the iceberg and the Titanic falls over, not the iceberg. It doesn't even make any sense because it's just a piece of ice out in the middle of the ocean somewhere. But here's the problem, is that sometimes we have a tendency to pay attention to the above the surface issues. That's only 10% of the issue. And we want tips and techniques on how to make those things better. And sometimes that just simply doesn't work out well at all. So what is it then that's above the surface? Well, we got things like delegating is above the surface issue. So this question comes up a lot. You know, I'm not able to delegate and, and uh, I'm not able to, you know, people aren't doing what I need them to do. And, you know, it comes in all different kinds of uh, shapes and, and sizes. Why are we having this? Diff give me tips and techniques. I, I can't give you tips and techniques on delegating until we get to the below the surface issues. Communication is one of those things. Literally every organization in the country says that communication needs to get better. But there are several things below the surface that would drive better communication. And if those things below the surface aren't taken care of, I don't care how many tips and techniques you apply to communication, it simply is not gonna get, get better. Team and team building are two of those things that are above the surface issues. We say, you know, again, we're looking, we read books and there's nothing wrong with that at all. Nothing wrong with tip, tips and techniques. I want to make that clear. But when we rely on tips and techniques only 
then that's when we're going to do damage. So these the stuff that lies below the surface drives team. So um, team building, you know, I don't even know what that means to you exactly, but you want to build team. It's not the tips and techniques you apply. It's a stuff that lies below the surface. Uh, conflict resolution, attitude issues. What is going on below the surface that's driving the attitude issue? Literally no one wakes up one morning, shuts off the alarm clock and just decides to be an idiot. It just doesn't happen that way. And I know what some of you are thinking, dude, you do not know the people I work with. Trust me, it didn't happen that way. There was, there was a lot of below the surface issues that was driving that attitude. There's a lot of below the surface issues that drives the conflict. So what are those below the surface issues? Now, again, we don't have time to cover all this in one Zoom session, obviously. But here are a few things that lie below the surface. Safety lies below the surface. Is this a safe culture? Am I a safe leader? Am I a safe person? Do people feel safe to give ideas? Do people feel safe to own? Do people feel safe? If they don't feel safe, and I'm talking about a psychological or emotional safety, and if they don't feel safe to do those things, then guess what? They're probably not doing it. So therefore, it's you're not getting everything above the surface that you really want because it simply is not a safe environment or it's not a safe culture or you are not a safe leader or safe person. So safety is one of those things that we got to look at first and foremost. Uh, what else lies below the surface? Connection lies below the surface. So here's, here's what I believe about, go back to communication a minute. Communication above the surface issue. So when anybody tells me that they need better communication in their team or their organization, two red flags for me. One is connection and one is safety. Is the higher level of connection the higher level of communication? The higher level of connection, the higher level of everything else, especially communication. Is it safe to communicate? Are you connected enough to know what communication styles are around you? So that connection, when that connection is built and that's a below the surface issue, then things above the surface seem to get better as well. Shame and worthiness, you know, that goes along with the safety thing. Am I unknowingly shaming people when they ask a question or when they don't know something or when they make a mistake, am I shaming them? And I could be doing it unknowingly. I don't even know that I'm, or I don't mean to, but I could be shaming them. So. On the other hand, am I making them feel worthy? The things that are coming out of my mouth, which we're gonna talk about in a little bit, the things that I'm doing, the things that I'm saying, the things that I'm trying to implement, the things that I'm, I'm, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm doing in my leadership, are those things making them and causing them to feel worthy and to feel like that they're enough? Those things lie below the surface. Here's another one, humanizing the workplace. I think one of the, I think one of the things we've done over the last probably 100 years, and I don't think we've done it on purpose, but I think we've done a phenomenal job of humanizing, or I'm sorry, dehumanizing the workplace. And, and, and again, I don't think we've done it on purpose, but I just think as time goes along, there's this bigger chasm between work and the whole rest of life, and it just doesn't make sense to me. And I think what happens is that sometimes we have a tendency to dehumanize people by our language, uh, the words we use, uh, uh, the policies that we set, the expectations that we have, all these kinds of things. And, and, and so that humanizing the workplace, getting back to recognizing people's humanity and, and humanizing the workplace is a below the surface issue. There's one thing that sets deep, deep, deep below the surface. And I went ahead and added it here at the bottom. But if I was drawing this out to you in person, I would draw a circle at the bottom below everything. 
and this would go in that circle, and that's your leadership beliefs. When your leadership belief system, you have to examine this. You got to pay attention to this, and this is kind of where we're going to go today in a little bit in, 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 one, in one facet of this. You got to pay attention to your belief system. Your belief system, your fundamental belief system that sets way deep below the surface is going to drive everything else above the surface. And I'll show you how that plays out here in just a little bit. So there are three things that set deep below the surface that I have noticed is going to affect almost everything else above the surface. These are three things that I believe effective leaders really, really pay attention to. These are three things that when you begin to explore, examine, when you begin to grow, when you begin to expand these things, pay attention to these three things, uh, everything else kind of falls into place a little bit. And again, it's what I've noticed that effective leaders pay attention to. Here are those three things, your mind, your mouth, and your mission. Your mind, your mouth, and your mission. Effective leaders think differently than they did before. Their thinking has expanded. Effective leaders speak differently than they did before. They watch the words that they say, and they say things that leaves people better off. Effective leaders know what it is that they want to accomplish. They understand, as you've heard so many times, their why. Not the why for the organization, but their why for their leadership. They understand why they do what they do. And there's a mission that's there that wasn't there before they got into this position of leadership, but they understand their target and they understand what they want to accomplish. When you start paying attention to mind, mouth, and mission, and those things begin to grow and those things begin to take shape, things change. So I want to chat about this. We're going to take each of these and we're going to kind of break it down a little bit as we move through this. All right, first thing, your mind. Always expand and grow your thinking. Always expand and grow your thinking. How do you think different now about leadership than you did one year ago? How do you think different now about leadership than you did when you got into this whole business of leadership. Now, I'm talking obviously this time in this context about a formal, the formal context of leadership, meaning that you do carry the badge, you do carry the title, you do have the position. That's what I'm talking about. You officially, formally oversee and lead other people. That's part of your, that's part of your portfolio. How do you think differently now than you did? And is your thinking continuing to grow and continuing to expand? Because here's the deal. If you think what you've always thought, then you are gonna get what you've always got. And here's how this goes. Your thinking and belief system leads you to actions and behaviors. You act and you behave a certain way based on your belief system. So if a leader says to me, I don't really know for sure what I believe about leadership. Well, I could probably follow you around for a day, and after that day is over, I could probably tell you what you believe about leadership. And the interesting thing is, based on your action and behavior, when I tell you what I believe you believe about leadership, you'd probably go, I don't believe that at all. But what we believe about leadership is going to bleed itself out, is going to manifest itself in our actions and our behaviors. When you act and behave a certain way, 
for a certain period of time, it turns in then to habit. And some of us have certain leadership habits. We have certain communication habits. We have certain um, little leadership nuances that we don't even know that we do sometimes. We just respond or we talk or we move through our day just based on habit. Those habits then create results. And my question is this, are the results, are the results what you want the results to be? And if they are, then great. Then keep thinking the way you're thinking. But if they're not, then you can't just change your habits and you can't just change your actions and behaviors. You have to change and grow and expand your thinking. And when our thinking stays the same, especially as it relates to leadership, then we're going to do damage. So how has your thinking expanded? You use your thinking in a number of different ways, solving problems. Are you still trying to solve the same problems today the same way that you were trying to solve those same problems the same way five or six years ago? You cannot solve the same problem perhaps the same way. Your thinking has to grow. So your thinking, when you begin to understand your thinking, your thinking also represents your attitude and, and, and as I said, you know your, your, your belief system. How is your thinking and your belief system expanding and, and growing? So a couple words here real quick about some old belief systems that, um, that some people may still hang on to that probably won't work today in our new context. Here's one. There is a belief out there that once you become a leader, once you become a manager, supervisor, whatever you call yourself, that now you can no longer be that person's or those people's friend. I have no idea where that belief system comes from. I think it came from somebody that did not know how to be a friend and yet maintain their professionalism, their credibility, and their influence. So here's the deal. Anytime you're in a position of leadership, always maintain your influence, your credibility, and your professionalism. It has nothing to do with you being or not being their friend. And what I will tell you again, I told you earlier, is that the higher the level of connection, the higher level of everything else. I'm not saying that you have to be their friend and have them over to your house and you know, uh, you know, watch movies and do each other's hair and talk about feelings and future. That's not what I'm talking about. But here's the deal. As a leader, you may be the only friend that they have. And if you are, that opens up a whole nother conversation of why you need to be their friend. I don't understand why it is that we believe that we have to distance ourselves from people just because we carry the title of, of a leader. So if that belief is still there, then that's gonna affect everything else above the surface. Here's another belief people hang on to. As a leader, I am always right. As a leader, I know everything. I'm supposed to know everything. I have to know everything. That's exactly what they pay me for. Now, listen, if that's a belief system that sets below the service, it's no wonder you're having issues with delegating things because you believe you can do it all. Why do you need everybody else around you? So what happens is that these belief systems, these, these hard, fast belief systems that come from who knows where they come from, those belief systems affect everything else above the surface. But here's what I know is that effective leaders will expand their thinking. They will challenge their own belief system and they will learn new things and apply new things and create new habits as time goes along. So 
what are and how is your thinking expanding? So what do we do with this? Here's what we do. We build capacity. You have to always continue to build capacity and enlarge your capacity. Now, I said this uh, last month, we were on the Zoom and I said this, in fact, uh, if, you go to the, if you go to the website, you can, you can download uh, a session one review sheet, it's on there. And so you can print it and post it and use it whatever you want to. And so this is actually on the review sheet as well. So now if you don't know Starbucks or you're not a Starbucks fan, then you're gonna find somebody who is in order for this to make sense. And talking about building capacity, some of us are trying to lead vente size organizations on a tall capacity. And if that doesn't make sense to you, vente in Starbucks language is a large and tall is a small. So I know it may not make sense to you, but hey, they're Starbucks. We try to lead a vente organization on a tall capacity, it simply is not gonna work. You have to always, always, always build capacity. Here's number two, mouth. Say things that leave people better off. Now, at this point, I seriously debated whether or not I should throw up a poll. I was gonna throw up a poll like we did last month, and the poll would simply be this question. Has your mouth ever gotten you in trouble? And then I thought, all right, so I'll throw this poll up. Who on earth could honestly answer, no, I don't think so. I'm, yeah, today or this week. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that at some point in your life, your mouth has gotten you in trouble and, and, what probably has gotten you in trouble more than anything else in your life? My guess is mouth. Here's what I know. Effective leaders say things that leave people better off. Now, some of my very earliest teachings and learnings, some of my what learned when I was a kid, some of my very first memories of things that I learned about the mouth. This, 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 this was one of them actually. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. I learned that young. So think about this in your leadership. I said, I can follow you around for a day. At the end of the day, I can tell you what you believe about leadership. You know why? Because I'm gonna listen to not just what you say, but I'm gonna listen to how you say it. It's your mouth. So the mouth is only gonna speak what the heart is full of. In other words, when it's in there, it's gonna come out there. And, and, and I, I, though I can't see your face, I'm pretty sure you can see mine. So when it's in my heart, it's gonna come out. This goes back, this ties into your thinking. Because remember your thinking. You could your thinking is your beliefs and, and your attitude and, 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 your, and, your, and your, your, you know, your mind. Your mind, sometimes you could replace mind with heart. It's kind of the same thing, right? You say, oh, put your heart into it. You're talking about put your mind into it. Like, what were you thinking? You didn't have your heart into that. So out of the abundance of your mind and your heart, your mouth is going to speak. So whatever's in there, it's going to come out. It's one of the first things I learned. Here's another, here, here's another one I learned. I learned that uh, a gentle answer, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but harsh words stir up anger. Now, if I am translating this into my language, here's what I'm saying, is that when you think about your answer, 
and you give a great answer and you thought it through and it's a gentle answer, it's going to stop a whole lot of anger and a whole lot of, wait for it, drama. But when you spout off and you're not controlling your mouth and you're just saying whatever you think, it's going to stir up all kinds of anger, all kinds of wrath, and all kinds of, wait for it, drama. Are you seeing this? Here's what I know is that effective leaders, effective people, understand that principle. I, I, I remember this, I, my dad, set, uh, they, he set us down one time and taught us, this is a proverb actually, he set us down and taught us this, which is so ironic, you know, if you knew my story. But anyway, he said, yeah, so, and I'm pretty sure he did it because we were not answering the way we should be answering. So I'm pretty sure that's kind of what prompted him to sit down. I don't remember what happened before and after. I just remember the moment. I remember it vividly. We're sitting down and he said, here's what I want you to know, son. <laughs> Little answer turns away your wrath, but harsh words throw up anger. And man, I've never forgot it. So what exactly is your mouth used for? Now, this is a weird question, right? So if we were live, I would ask you to answer this live. And, and I, honest to God, I mean, I, it, I'd be scared of some of the answers. But anyway, what is it that you, in leadership, let me, let, me, let me condense it for you here. In leadership, what do you use your mouth for? Here, here's the thing, encouragement. Encouragement. You use your mouth. My guess is when you start to encourage people, and I believe encouragement is your number one leadership tool. When you're encouraging people, you're using your mouth to encourage people. Feedback. You're giving people feedback. You need to give people feedback. How are you giving that feedback? Responses. How are you responding to people verbally? Um, inspiring hope and inspiring optimism. You understand how there are dozens and dozens and dozens of ways that you use your mouth in leadership. You cannot afford to not pay attention to your mouth. Now, several of you probably would think, well, why didn't you just do a session on communication? I've done that. Because communication is above the surface issue. Your mouth is a below the surface issue. That's what's causing some of the communication issues above the surface. So why my mouth gets me in trouble? I was thinking through this. I just down. listen, this may not be true for you, but this is true for me. So I want to tell you four ways that my mouth gets me in trouble. Number one, wrong or unknown motives or intentions. When I don't know what it is that I'm trying to get across and I just start blabbing, my mouth usually gets me in trouble. Or when my motives are wrong. In other words, when I'm talking, trying to get my point across, trying to make you understand me, my intention or my motive is, me, that's usually when my mouth gets me in trouble. Second way my mouth gets me in trouble. I don't know when to shut up. Does anybody else have that issue? I just simply don't know when to stop talking. Sometimes enough is enough. Is that person always has to have the last word. Uh, that person that just always needs to be right. Sometimes I just don't know when to um, to shut up. <laughs> number three, number three, I try too hard to say the right thing. When I don't know what to say, and I know I probably should say something because I'm the leader after all, I just start making crap up, man. And 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 uh, 
And I, I try way too hard to say the right thing. And usually it just comes out all wrong, right? Sometimes you don't have to say the right thing. See if you've heard this before. Sometimes you say it best when you say nothing at all. I love that song. The code for that song, the translation of that line is, you say it best when you keep your mouth shut. So I try too hard sometimes just to say the right thing. And here's the last way, is that my insecurities, my own personal insecurities get in the way. That's when I foul things up with my mouth is again, when it's about me and my insecurities get in the way and I say things that I have no business trying to say at all. I just need to simply control, watch, understand my mouth gets in the way so much of my effective leadership. So what is it then, the choices that we make as we start using our mouth in leadership? You have a choice, these are choices you make. This is on you. Is what's coming out of your mouth gonna be positive or is it gonna be negative? Um, and if, if you go every day and you, and, and this may be extreme, I get it, but sometimes we need extreme in order to pop us back where we need to be. If you go every day and you're consciously aware that everything that comes out of your mouth is either going to be positive or it's going to be negative, changes the game. So if you're thinking this is not going to be good, this is going to be negative, don't say it. What's coming out of your mouth is your choice, positive or negative. Everything you say as a leader has the high potential of encouraging or discouraging. So you have to understand that what comes out of your mouth is either gonna encourage or put courage in people, or it's gonna discourage or take courage out of people. Now go back a minute to the iceberg model, team. This why team is above the surface issue. Well, you don't have fully functional effective team until the members on that team feel courageous and then act on that courage. And if they don't feel courageous, you're not gonna have fully functional effective team. So the words that I say is either gonna encourage, put courage in them, or it's gonna take courage out of them. And, and, and I ask this question a lot, and some of you have been in sessions where I've asked you this question, I already know the answer. Do you want people on your team to feel courageous? What would you say? Not at me if you're there. You want them to feel courageous? Yeah, of course you do. Who's gonna go, ah, not really, I don't pay much attention. Of course you do. You want people on your team to feel courageous because you want them to act courageous. Well, if you want them to feel courageous, then what do you need to do? Encourage them. Make them feel, help them feel, influence them to feel courageous. So everything comes to your mouth, encourage or discourage. Here's another choice you make. Do you call people in or do you call people out? Some of us are real good at calling people out, man. We can call somebody out right here, right now. You did that wrong. You shouldn't have done it that way. You made that mistake. Why'd you do this? And we're calling people out. Man, we are great at calling people out. But what about calling people in? What about really understanding that sometimes we just have to sit back and call people in? And by that, I mean this. I'm going to take time to understand before I deliver what it is that I'm getting ready to deliver. If I'm calling you in, here's one way I'm doing that. I'm saying, okay, Tell me a little bit about the thinking process that led us to this mistake. I'm calling them in. I want to know from them. I'm practicing curiosity. Are you calling people in or are you calling people out? Um, and you know what falls under calling people out is this phrase that so many people want to use called constructive 
criticism. I do not like the phrase constructive criticism. I think it's a dumb phrase. I think it doesn't even make sense. I think the person who made that up was looking for a great way to criticize people and they're masking it in the form of criticism. Here's the deal. If I have, and I don't before you wonder, if I have a cup of dog poop and I put whipped cream on that dog poop and I put sprinkles on that dog poop and I put a parsley see, uh, sprout and I put a cherry on top of that dog poop, what do I have? I still have a cup of dog poop. Am I right? Yes or no? I don't care what you choose to call it or what you sprinkle on it. It's still dog poop. That's the way I feel about criticism. It's still criticism. Literally, no one I know wants to be criticized. Now, they do want to be coached, but they don't want to be criticized. So another fundamental belief system that could be a little bit off. Here's your last one. Do you coach? or command? What's coming out of your mouth? Are you coaching or are you commanding? Um, and this is where busy gets in the way, is because it is so much easier to just command than it is to coach. It takes longer. It takes more energy to, to, uh, to coach than it does just to command. I just want to tell them what to do, and I just want to move on. Well, sometimes that just simply does not work. So, what do we do with this? We practice buildup. Practice buildup. And here's what I mean by that. Is that when you come to the realization that everything coming to your mouth is either going to build up or tear down, it, it, it gives you pause to start thinking before you talk. So practice buildup. Practice buildup. And intentionally say things to leave people better off. But some of us, have to practice buildup. Um, and, and so that's one way you kind of get beyond the whole mouth thing. All right, I'm gonna pause here real quick and just ask, are there any questions um, or comments up to this point? Just unmute yourself and ask whatever it is you wanna ask if you have any questions. All right, cool. Let's go on. Number three, mission. Know what you are trying to accomplish. What is your leadership mission? What is your leadership mission? Now, one way to attack this is to ask the question, why do you choose, why do I choose to lead people? Why do I choose to lead people? Now, again, this is a question I've been asking leaders for a long time. Some of you on this call, you've heard me ask you this before. Why do you choose to lead people? And when you understand why you choose to lead people, it's going to lead you closer to your mission of what you really want to get accomplished in leading people. Uh, a couple of you guys on this call, we just had this conversation a couple a couple, a couple of days ago. Um, and uh, my friends in Hawaii, we had this conversation with them and, and kind of leading them through the process of really tackling this and kind of going deep on this. What are you trying to accomplish? What is it that you really want to accomplish in your leadership? And, and here's what I will tell you, and I've tweeted this a couple of times over the last couple of years. Leadership is not just about getting crap done. Uh, leadership is much, much more than just completing a task or accomplishing a goal. 
what do you want to accomplish? What are you trying to accomplish? And one way, again, that as you close that is why do you choose to lead people? What is your mission? The definition of mission is an important assignment, uh, an important task. It's a commitment. It's a calling. That's a mission. What do you want to get accomplished? Now, here are some answers over the years that I've collected from people when I've asked, why do you choose to lead people? And and sometimes these get a little scary. And some of you actually might have, this might be one of your answers. So I want you to think this through and how this would affect everything else above the surface when below the surface, we don't understand really, we're not in full awareness of what our mission really is. So why do you choose to lead people? Some people would say there was literally no one else available. <laughs> I was it, man. I was the only one left. There was no one else available, so I had to do it. I didn't have any choice. My, one of you would say, because my husband told me I was going to. Why do you choose to lead people? Well, there was no one else available. So, you know, we went down the row, and I'd been there the longest, and so here I am. Here's another one. Well, I'm doing it because it was supposed to be temporary. Like, I was supposed to do this for like six months. They said, well, we don't have a leader right now because, you know, so-and-so left or they quit or, you know, something else happened. And, and so, um, so would you fill in for about six months? You go, yeah, no problem. And so you've been there a while and you knew it. And it was supposed to be temporary. Now here we are seven years later. And guess what? I'm still leading. So why do you choose lead people? Dude, I am not choosing lead people. It was supposed to be temporary. Here's another one. It was a step up. In my company, in my industry, leading people, managing people, supervising people, I just felt like it was a step up, man. It was a promotion. And uh, here's another one. Not what I thought it was going to be. It just simply is not what I thought it was going to be. I was looking from the outside in, and I thought, man, that leadership gig looks great because, you know, they have, uh, they have a cool parking space, and they got keys to a special bathroom, and they get these certain perks. And so here I'm in it now, and I realize that it is not really what it's all cracked up to be. Um, it's not at all what I thought it was going to be. So I realized that I really didn't get a promotion. I actually got a demotion because I thought it was going to be so much different. Here's another one, pay raise. Some people do it because they want to pay a raise and they want to bump and pay and just take it on more responsibility. That bumps their pay. Some people say because they asked me to, and I love my boss, and I love my company, I just couldn't say no. Why do you choose to lead people? That's gonna force you, it's gonna move you closer to understanding what your mission is and what you want to get accomplished. And I'm telling you, any task is so much easier when you go into the task, understanding the meaning behind the task. That's your mission. What do we ultimately want to get accomplished? Any, any organization that has me come speak, here's, my, here's one of my ultimate questions is, at the end of the session, what do you want to have accomplished? What do you want them to take away? I need to know what your mission is before I show up so I know and have a clearer picture on where we're going to go. What is the mission for your leadership? Other people would say, why do you choose to lead people? Other people would say, uh, because I want to take some, I want to take people somewhere they've never been before. And I find that invigorating and I find that challenging and I find it, that's my calling. Uh, some people say, I just want to make a difference in people's lives. And I feel like if I had this position of leadership, I could do a better job at making a difference in people's lives. 
Uh, other people say, I just want to create cool things with people. And, and I think being in a, in a position of leadership helps me to do that. And I want to accomplish these cool things. And I've got this idea of what we could do. And they go on and on and on about their idea. Those people are getting closer to understanding what their leadership mission really is. So what will your declared mission do for you? There are three things that when you understand your mission, and this is, again, think about effective leadership. This is why effective leaders are effective at what they do, is they understand what they're trying to get accomplished. The first thing it'll do is it will cause more perseverance in your leadership. Have you ever been in a situation with somebody that you feel like you have tried and tried and tried? You've been down this road, that road, this road. You, you've, you've given them books. You've given them, uh, you know, TED Talks to watch or other kinds of talks or whatever. And nothing seems to work. And you have a tendency to quit on that person. Now, I'm not talking about quit and leave the organization. I'm talking about quitting on people. When you understand your mission, when you understand your why, when you understand your purpose in leading people, it helps you to persevere more than when you do not understand your mission. It, 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 this is every phase of your life, not just your leadership. I've studied perseverance here for about the last year and a half. And here's what I know about perseverance. People that don't have purpose and people that don't have mission, they don't persevere. Um, when you don't understand why you are going to the gym or you don't have an ultimate task or an ultimate goal in mind or a mission in mind, when you join a gym, you are, are not going to stay working out every morning at that gym. It, you just don't do things like that in life that have no meaning. Your mission brings you to meaning. Your meaning then causes you to have perseverance. The next thing is it, it, it creates healthy expectations from the people around you. They now know what to expect from you as a leader. Without your mission being declared, they don't know what to expect from you. Without you understanding why you choose to lead people and some of your leadership belief system, your leadership philosophies, they don't know what to expect from you. They could get anything. They don't know. But when you start to understand this and you start to get clear about it, then they start to, they go, okay, it's no wonder that, you know, she said this, or that he said that. It's no wonder that they came in with, they understand it now because they understand the expectations based on your mission. And the last thing is that it just, it creates all kinds of clarity, not just for you, but for the organization as well. That's why organizations got to decide what their mission is. Like, what, what are you trying to accomplish as an organization? What is your win? So the question is the same thing. What is your win for your leadership? What does that look like to you? Uh, what is that mission? What is that one thing? What is that calling? What is that important task? What is that, that, that important assignment that you want to see accomplished? And when you start to understand uh, what that leadership mission is, it's going to get you closer to taking care of some of those above the surface issues. So what do we got to do? You got to determine and declare. Determine and declare. Uh, you got to determine what that mission is, and then you need to declare it. Don't keep it to yourself. Communicate it. What do you want to get accomplished? Determine it and declare it. So that's what's going to move you closer to taking care of some of these above-the-surface issues. So why is it tough to lead people? Well, sometimes, oftentimes, it's tough to lead people because we don't pay attention to our mind, our mouth, and our mission. And when we don't pay attention to our mind, mouth, and mission, uh, it's easier to screw things up, to be quite honest with you. And then we leave sometimes a wake of destruction behind us. I'm going to draw a parallel here. I, I was really reluctant to do this, 
but I want to draw a parallel here. And, and some of you, this is not your world at all. I totally get it. Um, some of you, it is. But those people who are churchgoers, those people who are Jesus followers, those people who um, profess to be a Christian or a, a Jesus follower of, 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 any, of any sort, whatever that means to you, here's what I believe. I believe that when you decide that you're going to take that route, that there are three main things in your life that need to change, your mind, your mouth, and your mission. And when those things don't change, and you are still thinking and saying and doing what you did before, I really, really struggle with you even calling yourself a Christian or a Jesus follower, because that's exactly what we're supposed to do. Now, here's the parallel, and this is why I share that. What happens is that those people who profess that and their mind, mouth, and mission don't change. They screw it up for everybody else in that world who is trying to change their mind, their mouth, and their mission because they understand what that followership means. I'm drawing that parallel to show you the same thing happens in leadership, is that when you don't pay attention to your mind, your mouth, and your mission, chances are high, you're gonna screw it up. And you're gonna screw it up, not just for you, but for everybody else around you. So please understand, that it's way bigger than what I can make it sound today. And the implications and the influence and the ripple effect is pretty huge. So I'm gonna go back over three of these. Uh, you know, I don't have a poll for you today and which one of these do you feel like you need to work on the most, but I'm gonna run quickly through each three of these. And if whichever one you choose, uh, I'm gonna show you some practical things that you can do to kind of start honing in and making these things a little bit better. The mind, so if you go, well, mind, that's me, man. I need to think differently. One thing you need to do is start practicing curiosity. Um, you need to get other people's ideas. Uh, you need to you know, ask other people questions. You need to get to know them, understand them, um, expand. That's how you expand your thinking is you practice curiosity and you you, you begin to, to, to learn new things and, and, and think new things than you've always thought before. You need to read, you need to listen, you need to pay attention. If you don't know for sure what to read, you can email me and be happy to send you a book list that I have, that I get that request a lot. You know, what should I read? And I'll send you a book list and you and I can chat about which one would be best for you to start if you wanna do that. Um, listen to things, listen to TED Talks, listen to, you know, uh, YouTube videos on life and leadership and all those kinds of things. Um, challenge your thinking and your belief system. Take a little bit of time and just write down what you believe you believe about leadership and write those things down and ask yourself the question, is this really working right now? So that's gonna help you kind of expand your thinking a little bit. The mouth, my goodness, there's a lot on the mouth. So I'm gonna roll through this quickly. So be ready for this one. Um, do you remember the phrase, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me? <laughs> and we told our kids that. Uh, well, I'll tell you what, that sounds cute when you're a kid, but it is an absolute lie. Uh, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will destroy my life and will be with me for a long, long, long time. Bones are going to heal. Sometimes words have a harder time healing or the after effects of that. So what can we do to really watch our mouth? Well, keep track of the positive versus the negative. I have a friend that actually does this, and I don't know what it is he carries in his pocket. I think it's either pennies or jelly beans or something. I don't know. Pick something that's, you know, um, safe and clean, I guess, and that you won't have a temptation to eat. But 
So he starts the day with like, let's just say 10 pennies in his right pocket. And as he goes through his day, anytime he says something positive intentionally to somebody, he takes a penny out of that right pocket and he moves it to his left pocket. And he's trying hard to move all those pennies throughout the day to his left pocket. So that's keeping track of the positive versus the negative. And it makes you more aware of what's coming out of your mouth. Is it positive or is it negative? Uh, here's another one for you. I told you this last month. I believe in this. Set a timer every single day at whatever time you want to, to get up and go encourage somebody. And if you're still remote and working from home, then set a timer every single day to call somebody or Zoom somebody or send somebody even a text or email. Try not to do that unless that's your only option. Uh, but pick a time every single day, set a reminder to encourage somebody, but not just a half-hearted compliment. I'm talking about really put encourage in them, make it valuable, make it personal. Um, check your heart on this because remember, out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth's going to speak. So always check your heart and go, what am I really thinking about this person? Or what am I really thinking about this situation that I'm in right now? And, and check your heart on that. Here's another one. Slow down. This is why sometimes we get in trouble. I should put this on my list of why my mouth gets me in trouble. Sometimes we just go too fast. Just slow down a little bit and think before you speak. You've heard that your whole life, but slow down. Um, and those things will help you. Here's another one. Before you say anything, ask yourself this question. Does this really need to be said? Does it really need to be said? And if it doesn't, don't say it. It's needless conversation. And I've heard so many teams and just, and, and, and even in families, you know, that just, they add these little things on. It's just needless conversation. You don't need to say that. You really did not need to say that. And all you did was you stirred the pot when you said that. So does this need to be said? And if it does, make sure you're saying it in the right way. Mission. What can you do now to hone in on what your leadership mission is? Well, uh, similar to what I said before, write down your beliefs and your principles about leadership. What do you really believe about leadership? And what are some of the principles that you hold on to? And then when you get that, write down three, four, five practices that because of this principle, here's what you can expect from me. And that's going to lead you closer then to figuring out what that mission really is and what you ultimately want to get accomplished. Here's another way of looking at this. Um, let's say you're at your retirement party. And it, there's a microphone sitting about 10 feet in front of you. And one at a time, people that you've worked with over the years are going to step up to the microphone and they're going to talk about you and your leadership over the years. What do you want them to say? In other words, here's the question. What leadership story do you want to tell? Because here's what you need to understand. You are going to tell a story one way or the other, either you or someone else is going to tell a story. What leadership story do you want to tell? That's going to help you understand closer to what your leadership mission is.